It is locked on Jazz for November 10th. And frankly, for November 11th also. The Jazz are just so much fun, we've got to talk about them. Crazy impressive win in Atlanta. The bench tied the change the tide. Mike Conley does it again. And another edition of Close Game Review. It's all coming up on today and tomorrow's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. I am back in the home studio. Let me try to explain a little bit of what's going on. Um, The team had two days off. Uh, I flew back home today for a very exciting family event. All's good. Nothing, not like I didn't come back for a family issue or nothing like, no, no, all all super positive. But it meant that I was up at, uh, you know, five o'clock in the morning, Atlanta time, and then flew back here today. And I'm flying back first thing tomorrow morning to D.C. to join the team for Saturday's game. So today's show is really today and Friday's show. So I probably should have done it live and done an Ask LOJ, but I wasn't that organized. The other thing I would tell you is that I found myself last night just like looking and wanting to talk more jazz. Like I think I even like just like at two o'clock in the morning, like tweeted out crazy impressive win, um, which it was. So I'm kind of right there with all of you that I want to just keep talking about this team and interacting about this team. And I feel like it's actually my job to be the one who's providing the content. So you guys get to do that. I'd like to do it too. So I'll probably just be hanging in the chat room later or something. Uh, But this is crazy. This is so fun. And so remarkable, and, you know, we all saw ESPN put up the the win total, what was it, 23 and a half again, and and now I think, you know, I was talking with Ryan Miller, um, actually in the line to the bathroom at halftime uh, yesterday in Atlanta, and I was like, if they win this, does this mean they're good? This was when they were up by, you know, nine at halftime. He said, well, I've kind of already decided they're good. Um, And then I was talking to a bunch of scouts yesterday at the game, and a lot of them were saying, hey, you don't have a $40 million player. And so, therefore, your bench guys are actually better than everyone else's bench guys. There's, there was a little bit of that last night, right? That, you know, Taylor Norton Tucker's an $11 million player, year player. I think, I don't actually know off the top of my head what Malik Beasley is, but, you know, he's at like a $15 million a year NBA, I think, you know, or, or something of the nature. Um, I think that's about right. And, you know, Colin Sexton just signed a four-year $70 million. Those are the guys we have coming off the bench, so some of this makes some a little you know as as it progresses and it continues and it kind of wows us and we're and we're and we're loving it and we're stunned by it. There are some things like if you talk to NBA people where they're beginning to make some sense out of it. So I mean their point is like, hey, you got Sexton at 16 million coming off the bench, Beasley at 16 million coming off the bench, Taylor Horton Tucker at 11 million coming off the bench. Those are pretty good players, and so you're eight deep and Walker Kessler is a first round draft pick who's playing very, very well. And they changed the game last night. They, they saved the jazz last night. Last night to me is a crazy, impressive win. New Orleans equally, you lose the lead, you fall apart, you come back, you win it in overtime. I think it fits the same narrative, but there was a lot of things last night. And, and I, you know, people want to call them excuses, but the fact is, Part of what's going on in the league right now is that the discrepancy between the best teams in the league 
and then the lower end level teams is, is thinner than it's ever been before. I mean, truly thinner than it's ever been before. And so when you suddenly are playing your third game in four nights in three time zones, the fact that you're getting these massive paychecks doesn't mean you're not tired. And it doesn't mean that somehow that doesn't give the other team an edge. And, and that's, you know, when you hear us talk about that on the broadcast or something like that, you're talking about a game of competition in which teams, which the difference between the teams are not massive. And yet one of the two teams last night was playing their third game in four nights in three different time zones. And the other team was coming off its biggest win of the year at home, having been at home since November 3rd. Like, there was a massive disadvantage for the Utah Jazz last night's scheduling. And I I could come close to saying that the Jazz won a schedule loss last night. Right? If you think about the fact that since November 3rd, Atlanta's been at home. And since November 3rd, the Utah Jazz have played in no city twice other than one they don't live in. We, We started in Dallas, went to L.A., went to L.A., came back for one, went to Atlanta. So... That that game was not scripted for the Jets. And then to just get waxed, I mean waxed in the third quarter. I mean annihilated. Let's you just you don't get blasted like that very often and come back to win a game. And that's where Horton Tucker and Beasley and uh and the bench unit and Walker Kessler predominantly as the center came in and changed the game. They had scored on 17, 16 of 17 possessions, and then they didn't score on their final five as the substitutions came Will Hardy once again, with amazing feel, um, made the plays that needed to be made. So that was just a crazy impressive win. And I'm geeked like you are, just wanting to talk about it, wanting to share thoughts about it uh, and, and and what went on with it. There's a few other aspects of the game. I thought we did a really nice job on postcast last night, last, so hopefully you've heard, watched that or heard it. Um, the first thing, and I rewatched the first half of the game on the plane, along with we do have close game review tonight, but today, where I watched a bunch of close games, fourth quarters of games um, that we're going to review later in the show. Let's see, I watched the end of Cleveland sack as Cleveland falls apart again in the stretch, and I now think this is a mesmerizing story. I watched the Bulls and the Pels late, and I watched Denver, Indiana late, and then I watched our first half and then honestly fell asleep. Um, no no offense to Craig Bullerjack, Thurl Bailey, and Holly Roy, just hadn't slept yet. Um, so I fell asleep on the plane. Didn't get to the third and fourth quarter, but I, I think I remember that fairly well. The the thing I saw in the first half of this game was obviously Lowry marketing was amazing. But those plays that Lowry's making, those field goals of, after he has the eight free throws, are coming early. And uh, I mentioned this on postcast, but I think it's a really important point. Nate McMillan had a really nice phrase where he said, hey, every catch is live. And we've been talking about that, that all five of our guys can catch, all of our guys other than maybe Walker, can dribble, catch, and shoot. Every single person who gets the ball at any point in time can dribble, catch, and shoot. And it makes and if you're playing five out with everybody who can dribble, catch, and shoot, and the amount of plays Kelly Linick makes on a night is just incredible. It, it really gets very, very difficult to guard. The other aspect of what we're doing is on every single time we grab a rebound, we're off. And we're off with the guy who gets the rebound being off. Now, I do think this is scoutable. And I think we'll see it begin to disappear. It was so graphic last night and so obvious last night that I do think we'll begin to see this part possibly disappear um, a little bit from from the Jazz. But th- this is where they're relentless. We, you know, the number one offense in the league last year, Jazz team, and 
and then in the team's pride was relentless in the amount of actions they came at you with at different times and kind of where the different power and that, you know, Rudy's putting a pressure. They were relentless in the amount of different pressure points that they were putting on you at one time. This team's relentless in that they're coming at you the whole time. They're just, they're, and, and the, every catch is live. It's just kind of constant. The, the past two teams, which were great, you know, obviously it was the number one offensive team in the league. You, it was a high pick and roll. You knew where it was coming. You knew where you were, but you were just taxed the whole time because Boyan's in one corner shooting it and Conley's in another and Donovan's coming downhill and Royce is, you know, gets the most open looks of anyone in the league and can shoot him. That was a hard, that was a hard guard. You like knew what it was coming, but it was a hard guard. On this group, you don't entirely know what, what's coming. And that's where they're taxing you very differently. They're, they're coming at you with a rebound and go, and then it's not clear who's bringing it up and where they're going to be or where Low- you know, Lowry gets these two threes in the first quarter. They're both early offense threes. Mike finds them on one of them, if not both of them, where his defender just doesn't know where he is. Right? You, we've come down their throat super fast. Vando leads the break on one of them. Conley leads, I think, on another. And we're, we're just in at you so quickly that you're not ready to be set. And, and that's what's making this offense great right now. Last night was impressive, by the way. If you look at last night's numbers, this was really interesting also from an Atlanta standpoint because Atlanta had not played, it was a very good defensive team, but had not played a good offense yet. And last night, the Jazz offensive rating by the end of the night was a 120.2 again. I mean, that's just a massively big number. League average is about 112. 120 is 8 point. You don't lose over 120. You don't win under 100. We've kind of, that's always been kind of a mantra we've had on this show. And we usually were talking about it defensively. The other thing is we just, we lived at the line early in that ball game. And then later in the game did it other ways. That, that's the other thing about what was so impressive about that win last night was the different ways it was done. Lowry marketing dominating the first quarter with this relentless thrust. And then bouncing back in the third quarter with a bench unit, Taylor Horton Tucker with the hustle play of all hustle plays, but kind of, and then by the end, we win it with three point shooting. We make 17 threes and they only make eight. We talked about a postcast also that that's a, a really, really difficult one to come back from. But the other thing is the Jazz took 33 rim shots last night. The Jazz shot distribution last night was close to what I call perfection. My perfection is 40, 40, 20. I actually think 40, 40, 20 is becoming Nearly impossible because teams are taking away the rim so much. Last night, actually, both teams were at 40% of their shots at the rim. We allow a lot of rim shots. We're defending them surprisingly well, but we allow a lot of rim shots. It's a little unnerving. Um, They were 23 of 43 at the rim last night. Without a natural rim defender, that seems like a, a weird number for us to try to survive on. But they only took 28 threes. And so they only took 25% of their shots as threes. We took 39% of our shots as threes. That, that, that makes it awfully hard for, to, beat, to beat the Jazz. The Jazz were close to a 40-40 last night. They shot 44% from three, and they took 39% of their shots from three. So almost the magic 40-40. I got a text from an NBA coach last night during the game that I thought was brilliant, was a thought that basically you only get from somebody who's been in the game and been an NBA coach um, and think about, which I would not have thought of. And so uh, I'll share that with you here in just a second. Today's show, the, well, Thursday, Friday edition of the show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. It is, uh, you know, the Murdochs have been in Utah for, I always say over 80 years, but I've been doing the show so long, maybe it's over 90 years now. I mean, these guys, this is, they are part of the fabric of the state 
And then Hyundai is just such a great buy because you get the most you can get for your dollars. I think I've told the story about the woman at the gym who I work out with who has her Hyundai Palisade, and she just loves it. And her husband has the Range Rover, and he always wants to drive her car, right? Because um, he actually likes that car better, but it, you know, it doesn't have the name value. But it actually has the bells, the whistles, and all of those things that are actually you know are better. Um, and he likes it more. That's what that that's what it's all about. That's exactly what you get when you're dealing with uh, Murdoch Hyundai. Is you're getting the incredible uh, value. You're getting the bells, the whistles. You're getting all of the things you want from a car. Maybe it doesn't have the greatest name value, but you know what? Your pocketbooks look a lot better, and you, you're getting everything you need. If you're going to stop by Murdoch Hyundai, at least take a look. You decide, but take a look. And let me set you up either with Cameron in Murray at 4646 or with Jake down in Logan or excuse me in Linden. Or if you're going to head up to Logan, we'll take care of you there. Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. It's Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by friends over at Summit Cap. Uh, Jeff and David and um, Matt over at Summit Cap are a group of investors at Summit Capital who invested in Lockdown when we were uh, a private company. And they're looking now to provide capital for management seeking to buy out the owner of a business that they work in. Um, so what they're really they're, they're trying to is those of you working in a business, the ownership maybe is getting older, family run. They're just not ready to take the next step. You know what the next step is. So they want to take it there for you. They're going to give you the capital. You have the equity because you know the business. You guys combine, go into it together, and you're going to be dealing with real entrepreneurs at this point. That's what David, Jeff, and Matt are. They're entrepreneurs. They approach it from an entrepreneur. They do not approach it private like private equity venture capital that is banging on you for a, a time horizon or unfair expectations. They're, they're in the long term with you. They were great for us to work with. They never once asked when we were getting out or anything of that nature. Instead, they asked great questions to help us with our business. Email Matt or text Matt at 801-796-2033. That's 801-796-2033. Or email Matt at LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com. That's LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com. Hopefully, this will open the door for you for great things. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Your second listen, Locked On Sports Today. Make sure you check it out. 22-minute show recapping the whole day in sports. All right, so we got, I want to talk about Mike Conley. I want to talk about we're seeing some of Will Hardy's game prep. We've seen his feel. Um, there was a few other things on last night's game I wanted to touch on, but I also want to touch about a text I got. I thought this was super interesting. And this, this coach texted me and said, Lowry Markinen and Jordan Clarkson playing Eurobasket and being the number one guys on their team have been were the perfect run-up for the Jazz season. We've talked a lot about it with Lowry. That Lowry is that Will Hardy watched him in Finland. Holly talked about it on the broadcast last night. Um, you know, to see this other element of his game. Um, you know, I was talking with some scouts about Lowry, and they were talking about, gosh, we looked at him and we thought he was this. I don't want to say what player, because he'll give away what team it was. But I mean, just, they couldn't, he's like, wow, we couldn't have missed by more, right? They just, people did not see him expanding his game to this level. Well, he goes to Finland and he and plays for the Finnish national team and expands his game to this level. And now he's taking that exact same approach out here into what he's doing and playing with, I mean, that first quarter was ridiculous, right? I mean, two threes, power moves to the lot to get to the basket and then a stop and pop pull up Jay. Like he just did a little bit of everything. It, w- it was really quite awesome. And then a pop-out three to open up the third quarter. I mean, wow. Um, and you're seeing the same thing out of JC. Like, Jordan could not be a more different player 
than, than what we've ever seen before. He's playing so beautifully. He's playing with his teammates. I thought he was totally out of sorts last night at one point, and then he hits the monster three uh, on the give from Taylor Horton Tucker after Horton Taylor Horton Tucker's block. And even on a night last night where I felt like JC was kind of out of it and just off kilter, he scores 23 points on 18 shots. That's really good. He's two of seven from three. He has five more assists. He has four rebounds. He plays inside of the game last night. He's a totally different player. But like the text that I got was basically saying, hey, yeah, right, because he was the number one guy in the Philippines, played with the ball his whole time, was the man and tried to involve his teammates. And he's therefore become a vastly different player. And the Jazz are incredible benefactors of this. I mean, Jordan only turned it over twice last night. And Markinen only turned it over three times. These guys to be having the ball as much as they are with as much pressure and burden as they have right now. To not be turning it over with some regularity is, is pretty amazing. So a tip of the hat. I thought that was a great kind of insight onto what's going on um, with the team. Uh, Mike Conley is the thread that's holding this all these fabrics together. I think we, I've said this a few times. I will continue to say it. I think Kelly Olenek is the other thread. Um, though last night, Kelly Olenek cannot defend. He's having a hard time, and the Jazz don't close with him. And they, and once again, Will Hardy finds another group. Some of them are now you know, coming back, but basically finds another group uh, without Kelly Olenek, who's been so vital in all of these times, and, turns and, and gets the win. Um, let's walk through what happened after Mike Conley checks the game. And Mike Conley, up to this point, had been okay, but not great. Like, it actually, Mike looked to me like the fact that he played the back-to-back against the Lakers was coming back to bite him on that night. I thought three games and four nights, it suddenly felt like a lot. I thought he looked, hey, he's going up against Trey Young, so, and DeJounte Murray. So maybe he looked a little slow because those guys are, are who they are. So he, it, there's six minutes left in the game. It's 198 after Collins makes the second free throw. And here are the next possessions that we get. Mike Conley assists Malik Beasley on a three. Murray misses on the other side. Mike Conley leads a break, lobs it to Vanderbilt for the lob. Jazz score, Jazz by seven. Trey Young misses. Vanderbilt rebounds. Jazz run on the break. Uh, By the way, credit to Will Hardy. The Beasley three was out of a timeout, I think. Um... Uh, off-made free throws with substitutions, or at least something close to that. Nonetheless, the next possession is fast break. Mike Conley jets across the middle of the lane, brings the defenders with him, leaves it back for marketing for a three, jazz by 10. Trey Young scores. Next possession is Mike Conley assists Malik Beasley for a three. So Mike Conley comes in the game in the next four possessions. Mike Conley assists on 11 points. Pretty incredible. Conley then misses a three. They score a three. Conley hits a floater on the next possession plus the foul. And it's 114-105. Or next possession he gets fouled. The next time down, Conley dimes it to Markinen for another three. And then the next time down, he alley-oops it to Vanderbilt for another two. So in this, Mike Conley comes into the game... With seven assists at the time, at the six-minute mark, in the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine possessions. In the next nine possessions, the only time the Jazz do not score is Mike Conley misses a shot. 
On the other eight possessions, Mike Conley scores once, he hits a free throw once, and he assists on six other field goals. Like, that's insane. He absolutely is just rejuvenated by this opportunity to show he still has all the point guard skills and that he can lead this team and he can play, and they're playing so free and so uh, kind of open. Every coach we've talked to before games, it's really fun right now because everyone wants to talk about it. Everyone's going to ask the question, like, well, like, what are they doing? Like, how are they good? And then it's actually fun because then they ask Will Hardy the same thing. Will Hardy's answer right now is that we're doing it with chaos, that we don't want a neat and tidy game. And that certainly was not a neat and tidy game last night, that we want it with chaos. Um, what the other coaches are all saying is that you're playing free and they're not playing tight and they're playing without expectation. And I think there's something really true to that. Like, you, they're playing very free and flowing and having fun. You know, it, yesterday in the locker room before the game, Will Hardy's walking through the locker room saying, fun's underrated in the NBA. Let's have some fun. Fun's underrated in the NBA. And there's something to it. I tweeted out today the quote by Carl Anthony Towns about how basically miserable Anthony Edwards seems to be right now in Minnesota. It's how miserable Donovan Mitchell seemed to be last year in Utah, frankly. Like, the, the, the fun gets zapped out of this with expectations and, and pressure and social media and all the other stuff these guys are going through all the time. And Will Hardy's created an environment, he talks about environment a lot, that's fun and enjoyable and, um, and, the, jazz, and the jazz are profiting of it. And other teams, other coaches who are trying to create the same thing with their teams, that's the number one thing they're talking about. A uh, few other quick things on this one, and then I want to go through my game prep. I got good reviews on that. Um, what I've been doing is watching someone tip me off to this idea. It's a brilliant idea. Way smarter basketball mind than mine, so I just stole it. Where I'm now watching basically the last seven minutes of every close game in the NBA. You learn a lot. You learn their set plays. You learn how they're defending. You learn how they're interacting. You learn who they're closing with. You you, you get a lot out of it. You see if they have any teamwork. Um, I think you see teams in distress. Uh, so it's really it's really great. Um the other thing we're beginning to see more and more of is game prep. And what I mean by that is I think Hardy opened the year just trying to get these guys to play and play and play. Last night, the Jazz clearly were direct, purposely playing open side pick and roll for a huge amount of the night to take advantage of Atlanta's ice defense and try to get the ball back in the middle. And Or if they went to the baseline side, they embraced both guys and opened things up and they popped their bigs. And they, they were causing Atlanta a lot of defensive problems last night that were offensive game prep issues. They were really, really good. And we're beginning to see more and more of that. We saw it in the um, Lakers game when the Jazz just kind of kept pounding that middle pick and roll and making their guards make plays. Um, that, they were, that they weren't really, that wasn't what the Lakers guards wanted to do in that game. And they exploited what was a very good defensive team um, at that point. Uh, with with that performance, so I think we're seeing. You know, I think what we've really seen out of Will Hardy so far is this is truly remarkable environment, culture, attitude, uh, and feel for the game. That that's what I would say. His his kind of calling card has been up to this point. But I would I would also say now we're beginning to see um, some of the game prep stuff. By the way, dunks and threes, which weighs uh, opponents, now has us as the fourth best offense and the tenth best defense and the sixth best team overall. The research project, maybe I'll do a show Saturday morning. The next research project I need to do is go after like, maybe I'll just do it Sunday after our game. 15 games into a season, differential of this, like do, the, do these team, two teams fall apart? Like, hey, if we make a trade at some point, we fall apart. But two teams fall apart. 
like what what is the, if you go back and look over the history of like the last 10 years and you have teams that are 15 with a plus differential of about 5 which is where I think you know we are right now um do do can you find teams that fall apart or do they actually hold to that I I'm guessing they hold to it our uh, cleaning the glass differential is plus 5.4 it's really good our net uh, differentials plus 5.5 according to dunks and threes. Like, I, I, I'm not sure you go through. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Like, I'm going to go through. I, I don't think you go through and find a lot of teams that start years at this point of a season with this kind of a differential and then they end up falling off the map. I, I, I don't think we're going to see that. I, I, there's some, there's a real feeling of legitimacy to what we're watching uh, right now. And there's more of a feeling of legitimacy talking to people around the league uh, and as they're trying to piece together why. So it's the freedom, it's the depth of the bench, it's the veteran play of Olenek, of Conley, of, guy, of, of Clarkson. Um, and then that was a great comment that you've got guys playing at their peak right now. All right, we'll do game, uh, close game review uh, coming up here in uh, just one second. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at betonline.net. Odds, news, scores, all the rest where you could have done your over-under bets. It is Bet Online. The season's got college basketball started. You still have college football. You have the NFL. This is where you want to be. It's betonline.net. NFL Thursday night game tonight. Atlanta is a two and a half point favorite against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are a nine and a half point favorite over Jacksonville this weekend, and that's the biggest line. I always like to look those up, except for Monday night where the Eagles are an eleven point favorite over the Commanders. NBA action. We got a good docket going tonight. The game of the night is probably Philadelphia and Atlanta. We're rooting for Atlanta because we want Philadelphia's pick. Funny how that works. New Orleans has also got. Uh, Going up against Portland tonight, they're a nine-point favorite. Miami's an 11-point favorite over Charlotte. All those games tonight. We'll be heading, when we head into our next one um, at Washington, we'll see, I don't see no early line yet on that one for the Jazz. That's all at betonline.net. In this crazy job world that's going on right now, you've also got to make sure that you can get the best hires available. And the way to do that is with our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs. Locked On is going to get you a free job listing. You can just post your job at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. We know the world is, is wacky right now. We know it's, it's, uh, you got to be fast paced to get people hired. Also, there's so much going on. You don't want to be wasting time in the hiring process. So that's why LinkedIn has been named the number one uh, place for small businesses to place their jobs and delivering quality hires compared to their leading competitors. Get the applications you need for free with LinkedIn Jobs. Post for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply, but it's simple tools like their screening tools that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview. This is what makes LinkedIn the special place. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Greatly appreciate holiday packs on sale at utahjazz.com. If you want to come out to see the team, great November 5-game pack available as well. Um, all there. We're going to be in Philadelphia for you uh, Saturday. No, wait, no, we're in Washington for you Saturday, Philadelphia Sunday. All right. So here's what I've been doing. Uh, someone in the league told me that they did this, and um, so I have stolen it. Blatantly stolen it. I think it's a great idea. I'm watching the final seven minutes of five to seven minutes of every close game. Uh, last night, I got through of the games last night. I did not get to the overtime game between the Spurs and Memphis. 
Um, but I got to all the other ones I wanted to. So let's start with Denver and Indiana. Denver wins this 122-119. I'm just going to share with you some of the notes that are interesting. Um, Denver won a lot of zone, which was interesting. Um, Denver had a huge second half. This was the classic game of the better team catching up and um, running Indiana down. Indiana really pushes it. Indiana looks like us the way they're pushing it under Rick Carlisle right now, which is not usually the way you would expect them uh, to be able to play. And Matherin, their rookie, is good. He had 30 last night. Um, so, But they're, the reason Indiana is, I think, 5-6 and six now is they're playing a lot like us. They're really coming down your throat. Uh, Indiana went at Michael Porter Jr. a ton late. And to the point where, actually, Michael Malone had to take him out of the game, put Contavious Caldwell-Pope in at about the 339 mark. He does circle Michael Porter Jr. back into the game. I'm worried about Dallas's or Denver's spacing. And they're with... They're playing around with Bones Highland, who's not a great shooter, and Bruce Brown. And the fact that and Aaron Gordon, who's not a good shooter, they've got to have Michael Porter Jr. on the floor. They've got to have Contavious Caldwell on the Pope, Pope on the floor so they can play the Jokic-Murray game. Frankly, Denver gets super lucky in this one. Jamal Murray banks in a three. Jokic took a really terrible shot late in the game, thought he was getting fouled, actually did, just could dribble out the clock and didn't. Rick Carlisle gets a weird technical foul late that, gives, that actually turns out to be the game-changing play because after Jokic makes that, they're down three and if Indiana could have played for the two. Um, so I actually thought Denver just got lucky. They Great flurry of a comeback. But late game, they just got every ball bouncing imaginable. Um, Aaron Gordon has so little time and feel. He had 18.6 rebounds, 6 assists. He had a great night, statistically. So little time and feel or time and score feel late in games um, on that one. Miles Turner really bothered Jokic in this game. Jokic hits a big three late. But Miles Turner really, really bothered Jokic and, and had a good, good game um, in that one. Interesting, also, Nebhard's playing a lot for Indiana. Um, and Tyrese Halliburton still puts up mammothly awesome numbers. But boy, his shot is weird. And he had a big, huge air ball late um, because he just couldn't get that shot off um, without, you know, without kind of under duress uh, with people. Uh, the next one I watched was the Pelicans against Chicago. This was a great Game and the Pelicans under Willie Green are running super stuff. Um, really, really impressed with what Willie Green is running with his team and the Pelicans. This was a great game. This the final seven minutes. This was the best basketball I watched. It was this was awesome. Um, first play, Pels ran at the five twelve mark. It was a horn set, so that's a guy at each elbow of the free throw line, and it was Jonas Valanciunas on a starts with a cross screen to Herb Jones. And they give it to Jonas Valanciunas at the left elbow. He catches it there after running that pick. Ingram is the is the initiator. He sets the entry pass to Valanciunas. And then he runs in between the two guys down to the baseline. At which point, Valanciunas gives it back to Herb Jones, who now is kind of at the top of the key. And Valanciunas goes and picks for uh, Ingram. But the way Valanciunas does it, because the defender's already on his back, he just turns and he kind of drives the guy back so he can't switch out on Ingram. Ingram then takes this tight curl, gets a seven-foot jumper. Like, I don't know how you defend it. It was a super cool play. Um, they then ran, and again later, and that was out of a timeout, they then ran another variation of the same thing, but then Valanchunas went and picked Zion's man, and Zion came off a tight curl and Herb Jones hit him. And Ingram had to get out of the way for spacing purposes. So neat, neat stuff by the Pels there. Then they closed the game, the Pels did, running CJ at the top as the initiator, Horn set again, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. A lot of this is actually some of Quinn's old stuff, but it's got very little variations on it. Quinn, Quinn called it bull small. Um, so he's got Brandon Ingram and Zion on each elbow, and then he's got Jonas in one corner and Herb Jones in the other. 
which I think if you see know this is coming, you're going to decide those are the guys who are going to have to beat you. Like Will Hardy uses a phrase like, how are you willing to lose? But what's interesting is both Zion and Brandon Ingram kind of pop out high above the three-point line. First one was a quick pass to Zion. He just breaks because he's coming on Valanchunas' side. And the center's out on Valanchunas. He can't get there in time to help on Zion. And then simultaneously, CJ goes and picks Brandon Ingram's man. So they're occupied and Zion's got a free lane to the basket. That that was their go-to set. They ran a bunch of that. Brandon Ingram last night was Jason Tatum. He was amazing. 22-9-3 wouldn't look like it. You watch the final five minutes. That was an MVP performance by Brandon Ingram last night. Uh, Bulls play everything with DeMar DeRozan at the front. He had 33s. DeMar DeRozan um, was super interesting. All right, final one was Cleveland sack. This, I've watched Cleveland now twice. They they pissed away a game, excuse me, against the Clippers, and then they just did the same thing in Sacramento. I, I, I'm a little concerned if I'm a Cleveland fan. Donovan's playing brilliantly. He's not playing brilliantly in the final five minutes. Um, He's having a mammoth 38. I mean, he's incredible right now. He had 38. I'm not sure what Cleveland's doing defensively. They ran, Sacramento ran a, first big takeaway, Sacramento. Sacramento was much better in the clutch. I've seen them all year. It's the fifth time I've watched them in the clutch. They didn't run anything with De'Aaron Fox. They ran Mitchell Barnes, Malik Monk, uh, Sabonis, David on Mitchell Barnes. Um, None of it, Monk's Sabonis again. None of it involved De'Aaron Fox. None of it. All the rest of it had up to that game. So this might be a turning point for Sacramento. Keep an eye on that. Um, uh, I don't know what Cleveland's doing defensively. Mitchell and Barnes ran a pick and roll. You would think they would switch that, but they didn't. And Davian Mitchell just beat Levert to the basket for an easy layup, and Evan Mobley never got into it. Next play was a Monk-Sabonis pick and roll. They played it drop, and Sabonis just overpowered Allen. Then they went back to the Mitchell-Barnes again, and this time Mobley dropped. And Barnes popped, which is why you would switch that, and they hit a big three. So I don't know what Cleveland's doing defensively. Um, quite honestly, I maybe noticed this because he's our guy. Donovan is literally jumping up and down on every play in the final five minutes with his hands in the air saying, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open, like jumping up and down the whole time. It's obnoxious. It'll look crappy on film when his teammates watch it too. Keep an eye on it. Um... They're still trying to run the same play, which is a version of the Spain pick and roll, which is Garland and Allen at the top with Donovan coming on the backside of Allen. The spacing on it's been terrible every time I've seen it in two games. Mitchell sometimes gets the ball. He doesn't. He rarely does get the ball, frankly. Garland actually goes to work on it. And when Donovan does get the ball, he's actually so far high out, he just kind of has to play ISO, which may be what he prefers. Um, I just... My takeaway here is let's watch Sacramento in their next close games. I wonder if they found something. A clear side pick and roll with Herter and Sabonis was tough. Clear side pick and roll with Monk and Sabonis was tough. Mitchell played a lot of that game, and Fox only checked in with like three minutes left because he kind of had to. Um, and then I'd be really concerned about Cleveland on the way they closed those last two games. They're super good, um, but their starters played 38, 36, 33, 39, 34. They don't have a bench. Wade's not the answer there. Levert's playing pretty well, but he's not particularly efficient. And we'll see. Donovan's not having that. Donovan's been great, but he's not having that impact late. And they do walk it. It's They walk it up every time. They walk it up. So, uh, you know, hey, that's two games I've seen out of them. All right, that's Locked on Jazz. Loaded up. That's your Thursday and Friday edition. A few extra minutes for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of the show. How fun is this with the Jazz? Hope you're enjoying it. I will talk to you soon. Maybe try to give you something on Saturday. Have a good one. See you.